There's never been a better time to be alive. And whatever the metrics you choose, the world is on its all-time high. So why living seems sometimes so hard? Here I ask people in the forefront of building the future their reasons to be optimistic and the challenges they see ahead. I'm Mauro Rebelo, biotech scientist and entrepreneur, and this is the All-Time High Podcast. Karina Spilka is a VC investor in digital technologies in Spain. After many years as CEO in a finance corporation, she joined K-Fund to help startups change the markets in which they operate and improve the life of people that consume their products. In this episode, we talk about the confusion between empowerment and entitlement, the dilemma between the need for further digitized business while allowing individuals to disconnect, and the importance of switching from short to long-time preference. I really enjoyed talking to Karina, and I hope you will enjoy the conversation too. So Karina, thank you for doing this. It's been a long time we don't talk. I'm very like excited that we are going to talk again. Uh, please, uh, let's start with where you were born and where you are right now, and maybe an anecdote connecting these two places. Wow, that's quite difficult. <laughs> well, thank you so much, uh, Mauro, for inviting me. I really appreciate it very much, but uh, also to have the pleasure to talk to you again because we met each other well, three, four years ago for the last time. I was born in Argentina and now I'm living in Madrid. But I moved to Madrid, wow, long time ago, I would say 46 years ago. So I consider myself more Spanish than Argentinian, though I still have very good remembers about Buenos Aires and the country. And there's no anecdote, but you know that here it's uh, the, the Argentinians, but I think it's not only here, it's everywhere. They are known because they are very egocentric, I would say. <laughs> so here in Spain, they are, they are always laughing at them. But, uh, well, maybe Brazil too, I, I must I know, say. I know, I know. I know. <laughs> Nevertheless, when that happens, my Argentinian soul comes back and I try to protect and defend them. Great. And, you know, like uh, being born in, in South America, having this Argentine background, but moving to Europe, to Spain, um, what is your perspective on how the world is moving over time? Like, is it moving forward? Is it moving backward? Are we better than we were? Are we worse? How do you see this? You know, there's a book that is called Tale of Two Cities from Dickens that has the most marvelous start that I've ever read, which says, it was the worst of times, it was the best of times. <laughs> and this is how I feel, because I think that we are living the best time ever when I look at many, many things that are happening around. But at the same time, I feel that in other aspects, we are moving backwards. 
and that uh, we are, and maybe this is because I'm getting older and older, but uh, that I'm missing some of the things we used to, to have in the past and the way we used to live in the past. And I would say that in certain aspects, we are moving into a worse direction. But overall, you know, I'm very optimistic and very positive because we are, at least here in Spain, we have the feeling that uh, this pandemic is coming to an end. We are starting to have a bit of normal life, still with the masks, still with the distance, but gaining our routine back, back again. And all this is possible because of the great progress and the technology that has evolved to the point where we are right now. I couldn't imagine about a vaccine in such a short period of time if uh, we were... Yes, no one, that was... So that's, that's amazing, I think. That being, that in the, being in the area, it was amazing. Like, it is amazing. It surprised everyone. It was a real accomplishment. Exactly. And, and uh, having the opportunity to live in such a, an enriching environment, I think it's great. So overall, I think we are better. And so would you say that this overall improvement comes with some trade-offs? And um, we... Like you said, oh, I, I miss some things uh, uh, from the past. Can you can you like tell us one of these these trade-offs that hmm. you think uh, um, that we are kind of sacrificing for a, a world that is better in terms of more connected and and everything? Yes, uh, I was referring to the speed with. Uh, which the vaccine was produced, discovered and then produced. But at the same time, I think that this huge speed is something that is driving some of us crazy all the time because it looks like you have to be all the time connected, all the time answering, all the time really on working mode and that if you don't react very quickly, you don't answer very quickly to a mail, to a WhatsApp, to whatever, you are uh, really not on top of things. Yeah, you're unproductive. Unproductive, exactly. And I think that taking your time and having the time to reflect, to really think of the things, I think it's, it's something that I'm missing. Sometimes I, I wonder, I remember when we used to send letters for a negotiation, for, for example, or the fax, and that this was not in immediate. So you don't were expecting for an answer immediately. And you could take your time to prepare your answer, to think about, and now everything goes so fast that I'm missing some of this time. And would you, um, so I'm remembering, a. Um, the Italian sociologist Domenico De Masi, that he, he talks about this. Cre I, I don't really know how to translate in English, but it's ocio creativo. So I think it's ocio, creative ocio. Like you have, uh, um, you don't have to work all the time to be productive. 
So yeah. it's in that's that's not how our brain works, right? You cannot turn it on and turn it off. And he claims that it's in the in the uh, border or um, in between leisure and study that productivity happens. So um, we, but but the thing is, who is measuring this, right? Because there's already so much evidence, for example, even for remote working, there was already so much evidence that it was better you reduce, you know, stress in traffic and, and commuting and, and everything. But people have difficulty to accept or to change some uh, uh, some behaviors. How do you see us uh, um, moving? I, I don't know if it's moving back or maybe just adapting to this frenzy of, of a hyper connection because it is not, you know, it's not helping productivity. It's actually the opposite. So do, do you think we are going to adjust or it's just going to get worse? And, and... No, I, I think that uh, life is about cycles. So I'm sure that now uh, people will move into the other direction. And one example of this is with the pictures. Do you remember when we used to take our pictures with these cameras and then you have to go to the shop to take yes. them and, and then you had to wait for three, four days until you get the pictures. And now with the mobiles, you are... Moreover, you had to be very selective of what and you take. You have take to be picture, very selective. Right? Because you yeah. have like 24 and that's it. Exactly, exactly. And you have to think about the picture and, and really prepare for it and take your time. Now is the opposite because you are just clicking your phone and doing a thousand pictures in one second. But you know that now my daughters, that they are 17, 19 and 21, they want to buy those cameras, just one use cameras, but they were with the old system. And even they use an application in their phones that doesn't allow you to see the pictures until the day after because they want to have this surprise moment when you look at the picture. So I'm sure that they will go backwards to some of the behaviors that we used to have in the past because uh, they are smart guys. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very, uh, very interesting. So when, we, when you look ahead, um, is this the main challenge that you see, like this adjustment and this reducing speed? Or, or what are the other uh, big challenges that you see for us to keep moving ahead, but in a more sustainable, which doesn't mean really not just necessarily like environmentally, but sustainable with, yeah. in the sense that something that we can um, keep up to? Yeah. But... Maybe I'm not going to be able to explain to the extent I would like because of the language, okay? In Spanish, that would be much more deeper, my message. But my biggest concern is not the speed. My biggest concern is that 
internet, which is something that I love. In fact, my work is around internet, around the software, and around creating new ventures and new companies. So I, I love this. But internet has something very powerful, which is that empowers the individual and gives you a voice, okay? And that's fantastic because you can learn, you can interact, you can access universities that were not reachable before, many, many things. But this voice is also giving people the opportunity to express their frustrations. And uh, we are getting to a society where instead of valuing the effort and valuing the meritocracy, everybody, everybody feels that has the right to be protected, has the right to be um, heard, has the right to speak aloud, but uh, without the responsibilities that uh, those rights require. And we are getting to a very offended society that when you are not listening to what you really want to listen, you become defensive, you become um, uh, aggressive, and that is creating this polarization that we were talking before. And either you are like, I want you to be, or I will not accept you. So this is something that worries me a lot. And combined with this is the fact that in the most developed countries, the, the well-being area, uh, we are really having lots of benefits and we are becoming like a spoiled children that have everything. And um, this is, is also creating this feeling that you don't need to work no, not to work but that you need to you don't need to um, make huge efforts and that everything is for granted and this is creating also in the politicians this feeling that instead of really working for the vision of a country for the future of a country i'm just working for the immediate votes that i can get from the citizens and this is what is creating all this populism and all these short-term actions that instead of building long-term visions and this is again related to the speed is just creating short-term actions every day and that worries me a lot would you say that so you're you're touching some very important points here and I, I, I made some notes, but I'm going to go backwards on, on my notes. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're talking, you talked about something that I'm, uh, that I've been very interested la lately, which is time preference, mm -hmm. right? So we are, um, maybe the world is putting us into uh, low time preference and we should have a higher time preference, like value things over time. And as a scientist, I, I can, uh, what I'm seeing this is, well, let's jump to the conclusion. Let's, you know, like uh, we, we are not taking, uh, uh, not that we are not taking, uh, you know, a proper conclusion would take too long. So what can we do with the, the small data that we have available? Uh, and we are kind of incentivized 
to do this. So this was one of my other notes. You know, like uh, uh, I think that would you do you think that is the availability of the connection that is making uh, people uh, um, uh, that thing is entitling or, or believing they are entitled to things or is um, wrong incentives because I have I have the tendency to think that uh, there are so many badly distributed incentives and what I talked about science is just one and when you talk about the politicians yes they are mm. just you know their incentive is in a, for a very low time preference is the next election the, the next election and uh, maybe people are uh, um, incentivized for this polarization and, and, and you know like throwing some ideas at you I'm, I don't have a, 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 you know a clear uh, thought on this other than I do believe that incentives are badly distributed and we have a low time preference when we should have maybe a longer time there are so many benefits with longer time preferences some things can only be achieved through long time preference Yes, but this is true. This is true. But uh, again, coming back to the initial conversation about the speed is because of that. It looks like if you are not getting short term results, nobody has the patient. Nobody. I mean, we are we are not patient. We are just uh, we want it all and we want it right now. So um, this is something that we need to think and we need to educate our children to become more patient and to really um, consider yeah, and the long term again. The, do you know that experiment that uh, some psychologists did yes. on Stanford on the, on the marshmallow, right? Yes. And, exactly, uh, exactly. But, but you see, that's more, than, that's more than just education. That's incentive. So like, yes, if you have a lower, uh, your, if you have a, a, a longer time preference your reward is going to be bigger because what what's uh, worries me karina is that our brain that has evolved over a million years and it's not going to change anytime soon has all these short-term reward mechanisms because our life expectation was so short you know like we need to worry about what to eat you know like in the next hour not in 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 20 years like worrying about our pensions and things like this and um this this um low time preference maybe is embedded in our brain in a in a mechanism that it's not going to go away anytime soon so to uh, to just think that education is going to change this, I think it's a little bit, uh, um, well, it's to expect too much of, of education. Maybe we need like, what could be things, I, I keep thinking, what could be the incentives to uh, tell me, don't eat this burger now. It's going to be half an hour of pleasure and, you know, like, and, and it's going to be 30 minutes in your mouth and, and, three years in your belly. Yeah, but this has been about education as well, because now we have learned to eat better in a more healthy way. 
and it's about creating awareness and it's about uh, showing the problems that you can get if you really eat a burger every day and uh, you eat fat every day. You know? So I think it's, uh, it's, it's about raising this awareness in, in people. That's what I think it's important about the education. Do you do you see the the because um, what you we were talking about the polarization and somehow it came to my mind that if if it's possible so polarization is not new right I mm. I was just thinking about soccer and and you know like we go to stadium extreme polarization people are in different sides and and but you get out of the stadium and. They all go to have a beer in the same bar, or you know, like you, you are. We are able to talk about. Uh, uh, you can be friends and cheer for completely different uh, uh, soccer teams. So I keep thinking, if yes, there is a, a, a there's hope in the sense that we can probably uh, um, live in with polarization. Maybe it's inevitable. But we we can live with it. But how uh, um, how can we are, are we going to have enough time to to adjust to this? The speed is not on speed is on our technology is on our side or not, and speed definitely maybe is not on our side uh, uh, on this. But do you think that the technology can fix? what it has caused. I'm not sure, but I think that is a human being, the one that needs to rule the technology. So I've heard that the new version of iOS is going to come with a sort of self-control time sharing about your phone and, and you will be allowed to really set in the settings uh, like disconnection times. Okay, so I don't want to be bothered for two hours. And in that respect, it's true that there are some technological tools that can help us in this journey. But at the end of the day, it's about ourselves because I can do that without having the functionality on the phone. I can just throw my phone away for two hours and forget about this. I don't need the technology for that. But uh, I think that is something more on the inner self. The problem is that if your environment, your peers, your competitors, everybody is following a speed, it's not easy to stop and move into another direction. And the dynamics around every of uh, each of us is uh, really going into the direction that uh, is not maybe the best one oh, how do you being in this well like you said you are in this field right and and so you are a, a tech vc and you are in the position then to uh, select some of these technologies and, and some of these businesses and how does um these worries that you have influence on on in, i don't know maybe your decision process or or how does that impact 
and because you are clearly in the position to uh, uh, influence what are going to be the next uh, businesses, but at the same time, like you said, competing strongly with people that maybe don't share the same values, yes, but are competing for the same markets, right? No, yeah, yeah, but in fact, this is something that we discuss a lot because when you are analyzing a model, it's true that you want to create engagement in your consumers, you want to create repetition, you want to have the best metrics to compete and go for the next, next uh, financing round. But there's a, a, an ethical dilemma behind because you know that you are forcing the creation of a product that will create engagement in the consumers and that uh, you are even doing something to force them to access to your application three, four, five, six, ten times per day. So that goes against this disconnection that we were mentioning. But this is something that uh, we are starting to introduce, all this ESG concept about really how this product uh, impact the society and how this product will impact in the users of the product. And we try really to have this reflection with the founding teams, but at the end of the day, if there's another product that is creating more engagement and therefore we get money easier, you go into the direction of the growth and the hyper growth mode. Do you, um, somehow I think that we are kind of stuck in some business models, right? With the creating engagement, uh, uh, mm -hmm. for example. And um, do you see this? Because I keep thinking if there are any other business models that we haven't anticipated yet, let's just for the sake of argument use like uh, until Google, we never really thought that there could be value in giving things for free. Um, is uh, can we get out of the treadmill of you know searching um searching uh, getting people to click somewhere on the on the internet is there a bus new business model they are waiting for it is it in your radar can you can you see uh, some that i don't know but i, I think that uh, anonymity being anonymous don't share information don't share it data that would be definitely a business model i think that uh, we have gone into the direction of everybody wants to have a profile on a, a social network and have a voice but now people are again trying to be unknown and uh, trying to be not tracked by the cookies and by the different vendors that are trying to put their products in your timeline all the time. So I think that uh, this is going to be one business opportunity in the future, that people want to be free of advertising and just would like to have a free environment on the network to consume without all this interaction coming in and out. Uh, okay, I'm going to make a next question, uh, another question related to this because until very recently, 
uh, I I was kind of resignated that yes mm. we lost uh, um, privacy there's nothing you can do and then I got to know blockchain and then I said wow there's hope so I can get it back and and it has grown so strongly on me that I'm I'm involved uh, uh, in this so do you do you see uh, uh, and so do you see the tech is still far away from this or uh, uh, and and so like could the business model be related to this like buy your privacy or or you know like let we help you get your 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 privacy back and everything and is blockchain going to help is the tech going in this direction how do you see this no, i don't think that necessarily is going to be blockchain i mean blockchain helps in the traceability and in in many different things but for this being anonymous um, is not only about the technology i mean i think that there are technologies available right now that can facilitate that perfectly okay i think that blockchain for sure is something that will change uh, the world in many aspects uh, and we are seeing the digital currencies that is really what can change completely the banking industry in the world okay but uh, there's one important aspect here which are the regulators that have also a lot to say into this new world okay and for example here in europe uh, data privacy with this gdpr law that we have is uh, much protected than in any other area in the world okay and uh, there are tools and things to make that happen so the regulators also have a lot to say and but i see movements in this field that are um kind of trying to go outside the government so like the government is one of the spies let's say on your on your privacy and on your data so even though of course if if we are talking about a formal world right where we do business where we do a lot of stuff uh, um, you know regulations and everything is important but uh, this polarization also that we were referring to it's um, um sometimes it's connected with the government and and many people are afraid of their government mm -hmm. and they see these issues of privacy as uh as a concern so how do you see uh, uh do you do you think that the future that we are moving to still has a strong participation of governments or this individual, uh, um, um, what is the sovereignty? You know, the sovereignty of the individual is going to compete more and more with with governments because these technologies they allow this also, right? This empower the 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 individual yeah, well, in a sovereign it's way. It's already competing. It's already competing, and that's why all the populism has grown strongly because uh, they feel entitled and empowered to get what they want. Okay, so that's already happening. I don't think, I think that uh, maybe it's going to be uh, really 
increasing for a while, okay? Um, but I think that is already happening. But do you think that regulation is the solution then? In, in the sense like uh, um, we can... Um, uh, sorry, I don't want to put you on the spot here, okay? Like I'm, I'm just like... Um, are, those are legitimate questions that I ask myself. Um, can we trust that these um, regulations can take care of us and they, that they are in our best interest? With the GPR, I see, for example, in Brazil, we had last year a massive data breach, like massive. Every everyone's data is online everyone everyone's it was like the minister of health if i'm not wrong like 200 million uh, cpfs which is our uh, our uh, uh, tax code so released so the regulation is there but there's no way to really guarantee that or or to completely uh, uh, guarantee that there will be no data breach, that people are going to uh, uh, really take care of your data and and everything. So, if if I come into uh, uh, a technology that shows me, okay, if you have con you have control of your keys, only you and not even nation states can hack into your private key so it's really up to you this is very tempting for me okay and uh, uh and maybe because of all the brazilian history i uh, we know we have been betrayed by our governments enough and this uh, the the temptation of self-sovereignty is very, very strong. And yeah, and I, I keep thinking about how, if, if we should uh, um, give people more autonomy, maybe not to entitle them or to give them, to grant them rights, but to give autonomy and maybe the difference in between rights, granting rights and autonomy is that you have to be accountable also for your, for whatever yes. you do. If you lose your key, that's your problem. Nobody is going to, to be able to help you. Yeah, but do you think that societies are accountable? I don't think they are, unfortunately. And, uh, no, society is not. But like what I'm saying is, grant more sovereignty to the individual, but make them more accountable than they. Than <laughs> but they this are. will take long, 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 long time to happen. And maybe little by little we are going to end up there. But I think it, that uh, is a huge effort because we are not educated in that way. And uh, I used to say when I worked for the corporate world that uh, to have an innovative boss, you need to have innovative employees because not all the employees know how to handle and how to work with an innovative boss. M most of them are just waiting for the instructions of what I need to do next. Uh, this is so, the same with students. Exactly, and the same with the students. So there will always be some ones that are a bit more ahead and uh, that 
can handle that uh, self-empowerment and uh, this sovereign um, management of myself that as a collective i think it's, it's i don't see it feasible in the short term really and uh, just for that to happen and i i i'm very critic in my own country when you go to a newspaper and you look to the 10 most read news four or five or six of them are about sports soccer or any famous singer that has put herself into a scandal okay so i think that we need to evolve a bit more yeah well this goes again into the uh, the low and the high time preference right what is the shortcut to mm. to to accomplishments or to you know like a a, a, life, a lifestyle that somehow it's also promoted to us right mm. and you you get to the celebrity thing i was reading uh, the other day like when you get ah what you want to be when you grow up and youtuber is the the, the top one uh, mm -hmm. uh choice okay karina we could go on and on and and in this conversation which means we have to do it again some other time but before i let you go i have like three rapid fire questions the first one is which book are you reading right now well, I'm reading a book about modern art, which um, in Spanish it's called Dime lo que ves. So tell me what you're seeing. And it's about the history of human, uh, of uh, sorry, of modern art. And it's very interesting because it's about the, it's related to this conversation as well. Uh, what is considered to be art? Something that you like? or something that make you think or something that is different from the past. So a very interesting book. Very interesting. And the second is, do you take long or short lunch breaks? Short. Short. Yes, I want to go home relatively early to spend time with my family. Oh, okay, this is a good, a good reason for it. Uh, and the third is Bitcoin. Are you a believer or a non-believer? I believe in cryptocurrencies. I don't know if it's specifically, specifically Bitcoin. Do you have any cryptocurrency? Or? Yes, I do. I do. I do. And then the non-fungible tokens as, as well. I think it's it's a part of our future is moving into that direction and will be related to this great okay so thank you let's do this um, again soon thank you for your time Mauro. it's a pleasure always to talk to you <laughs>